Welcome to Film with Family. My name is Zach. And I'm Austin. And we are two cousins talking about movies. Today we're bringing on my older brother Caleb to talk about one of his favorite movies of all time, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Gonna be a good talk. All right, we have our second guest on Film with Family. It is Caleb's Weifler. He is my older brother. How you doing, Caleb? <laughs> I, I've got a little bit of the sniffles, uh, but uh, otherwise I'm doing just swell. Good to see you, Caleb. My cousin? <laughs> Mine cousin. My cousin? <laughs> yeah, when we had Drew on here for The Whale, we kind of forced him to watch The Whale, but, you know, we thought it would be nice for for our family guests to let them pick the movie that they're going to talk about. And when I asked you what uh, we should do, you said right away, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. There's no hesitation. I mean, for a variety of reasons. Uh, one, because it feels to me like a perfect film, in my estimation. Uh, part of it's for its time, and part of it is timelessly like a perfect film. I think the how it's estimated is controversial, and I've heard many people talk shit about that movie, and uh, I'm I'm willing to uh, enter the coliseum of debate with anybody that has denigrating words about this movie because certainly no other Robin Hood movie compares to it except maybe the only other two ones that I feel like did a decent job were the cartoon I assume it's Disney with the Fox. Yeah, the Disney. Yeah, I saw that one really late in the game. For some reason, we didn't watch that as kids, but I probably mainly like that just because of the uh, Roger Miller soundtrack. <laughs> I think that's right, who did that's it. That's nice. Roger Miller's dope. The opening of the animated Robin Hood is so good. The music yeah. is so great. Yeah. And they yeah. like the rooster that plays guitar and introduces the whole story Robin Hood and Little John walking through the forest laughing back and forth at what the other has to say reminiscing this and that and having such a good time oodle lolly oodle lolly golly what a day yeah I don't know how that wasn't part of our our like rotating uh it seems like a no-brainer because i loved robin hood and i like animation and it's a great movie but our parents messed up yeah the the other one that i think it deserves recognition is men in tights obviously mel brooks i feel like that and I, i'm pretty sure a lot of the jokes that they make reference prince of these specifically i enjoy those three the best but there's so many horrible Robin Hood movies, especially contemporary ones that came out not too long ago. That yes, the, the Ridley Scott one with Russell Crowe comes to mind. Yeah, that's garbage. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, it's really easy for me to just go right into the deep end with this. So why, why don't we take us? If there's, I don't know if there's another intermediary step before I just, <laughs> well, just get in the whirlpool of it. Well, Caleb, I would like you and Zach 
to just kind of describe the scene as a child and how you were watching Prince of Thieves, how you first saw it, how you were first exposed to this movie that came out in 1991 and you were born... I, I was 89. 89, okay. And I so was 92, you... so it was a year before me. So, like, was this movie just in your house by the time you just started having... Yeah. ...reforming thoughts? Yeah. Yeah, we had on VHS. Yep. Then we got on special edition DVD later, I remember. Yeah, but I I know we put the the VHS through the ringer. We had to get the tracking lines sort of in sync. But my mom's a huge Kevin Costner fan in general. Like she loves Dances with Wolves and Feel the Dreams. Uh, Feel the Dreams, Robin Hood. It's it seems like Zach doesn't I mean, you you've obviously seen it and I know you like the movie, but I don't know if you watch it as much as I did. Or, like, when was the last time you saw it before watching it recently? Yeah, it's been a it's been a long time. I haven't really reevaluated much as an adult, but yeah, there's rewatching it again last night. It was it all came back to me. Like, there's so many quotes and moments that I just knew in my heart because we would we would watch <laughs> this shit all the time. Yeah, and we would. And I remember when we got the DVD, we would just like. We would just cut to like the our favorite fight scenes, like the little John fight. We would go, we would watch that scene over and over, and the siege, and the final showdown. Like we would just, we would just throw that on, get hyped. Yeah, yeah. But what what drew you to this movie originally? Do you think it was just something that because because your mom loved Kevin Costner, it was just in the house? And I don't know. I think we were indoctrinated into it. Like I. I <laughs> Like, my mom got me, like, one of those little suction cup arrow toy bows that I would shoot at the fridge. Not long after that, or or simultaneously, Robin Hood proceeded. Like, what she, her hack for a movie that was too explicit for children would be she would let us watch it. And then once it would get either to a sexual scene or something too scary, she would just run in front of the TV and start dancing and like <laughs> just doing something distracting and we're like oh what the heck yeah. and a few minutes later she would just move out of the way and we'd keep watching it but she she definitely was like you know the violence in that movie while it's not it's not super gory it's it's pretty dark especially by Robin Hood standards like it's one of the grittier interpretations I feel yeah. yeah, that little that little kid gets hung by the rope, and yeah, there's there's some pretty good kills in it. The very first scene is is pretty yeah. violent when he's yeah. in they the dungeon the with the with the really long beard on and the long hair, looking yeah. like a, looking like a bum, <laughs> and almost getting his hands cut off. The other guy, I think the other guy does get his hand cut off, right? Yeah, yeah, I. So did you just watch this again, like last week or something, or yesterday? I I watched it two days ago. Nice. And it's probably the first time I've watched it since watching it at your house when I was a child. Because <laughs> honestly, the my only encounters with this movie have been through you guys. Is just remembering being a preteen or a teenager and just going over to your house and it's like, oh, I guess 
we're watching Prince of Thieves again. Because <laughs> there wasn't really much else. Yeah, multiple times. Well, that was probably, like, Mom probably got it started, and then all subsequent, like, that was me enforcing watching. It's like, I don't know how it doesn't get more recognition. I'm in a bubble, I think, of, of Prince of Thieves. Well, hold on. Let's back up a little bit and just... Uh explain where prince of thieves comes in in the timeline of our lives it's 1991 this is a warner brothers morgan creek film at the time it was the competitor against terminator 2 and same year same year same summer wow and terminator 2 actually beat it just by 40 million so they were pretty close contenders um, throughout the summer. And uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves ended up grossing like $164 million, which I guess at the time was, this is a weird factoid, but it was the second best opening to date for a non-sequel. Robin Hood was? Yes. Prince of That's Thieves. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. And... Um, of course, one of the other big things with this movie was the Brian Adams song, Everything I Do, in parentheses, I Do It For You, which doesn't make an appearance in the movie at all until the credits, but there is a motif in the score that keeps coming back. Right. Yeah, it's like the, the love theme with Marion. Yeah. Don't tell me it's not worth trying That song is one of the best-selling singles of all time. It's sold 15 million copies, and it's actually just behind Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You. Wow. Just insane. Yeah. <laughs> I never would have guessed that. Yeah. You so know, the, the, the context of this movie, I think it's important that you're establishing that this, like, it's not even really 90s because it's so early. It's really more informed by like the late 80s yeah. and the aesthetics of that time and what was cool. Like the, the I feel like the weird mullet thing he has going on and uh, <laughs> yeah, like the big hair. The <laughs> obviously that song, it, it's super tacky, but like for that time, it's like it makes sense that that would be super popular. I didn't think that it would be. Mariah Carey level. That's crazy. Well, also, if you look at just 90s movies in general, there was this trend of movies and pairing it with a really successful single. Like you've got Titanic, the Celine Dion song, uh, yeah. and actually Kevin Costner's movie, The Bodyguard, obviously yeah. set up the single. Like, I don't know what it was about Kevin Costner and <laughs> hit songs, but they paired together well. I guess. Yeah, it, it's going to be really hard. Uh, maybe you guys have enough notes. Uh, to be honest, I I did not re-watch that uh, in the last week, but I feel like before we even before we even did this podcast, I'd watched it probably a couple months ago. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I, 
I, I tried to find like a list of scenes, but I could, if you just mention anything, I could go on. And the weird thing is there's, it, it's beyond just the scenes. There's just elements of this that make it so good. And one of the main ones is, is Kevin Costner. Like, what is it about Kevin Costner? You know, everyone talks about the accent. He, he <laughs> kind of does this half ass, like not even really British, but just sort of like not quite American, but most of the time he's just being himself, which, you know, if you're a purist, I think the majority of Robin Hood depictions up to that point were very theatrical and kind of lighten the loafers there for do a little billboard <laughs> like for like it's men in tights it's not like super it's it's it makes sense that it's around the same time that terminator 2 is coming out in these big budget action movies where like this is a it's an action movie but and it has all like amazing choreography and i could talk so much about just the fight scenes and the way they approach them that's incredible but what I think that like you could have found a million British actors uh, that could have, you know, had an appropriate accent, (laughs) but do they bring the X factor that Kevin Costner does? And I don't think they do. (laughs) It's a matter. It's like, are, is he selling the scene? Are you buying it? And for me, I might be brainwashed. Kevin Costner, I'm buying all of his shit in this movie. (laughs) Yeah. I'm brainwashed too. I just, I just love this movie. Too much nostalgia to see this movie objectively. I'm biased, <laughs> but like when he's when the, the main thing is like it's distilled. Like, what is it really? When he's when he's pulling back the bow and he's staring with focus at his target, does it look like he's not fucking around? And like you look at Russell Crowe, it doesn't. You don't buy it. That other British guy that they had, where they actually had a really legitimate archer, you know, train him and try and set up uh, historical ways of archery. The movies, I mean, they just, they had bad scripts. They had a lot of problems, but one of the things they didn't have was fucking Kevin Costner. <laughs> yeah, he, he sells the action. I think that's when he's be- his performance is best is when he's in an action scene. He's just, he's just in it and he's fucking, he's got those steely eyes and he just looks so good pulling that bowstring back. Even when he's being charming, like uh, as, as a, a romance uh, companion to Maid Marian. With he has great chemistry with all the other actors. Azim, he's great buddy chemistry. Oh my god, Morgan Freeman! You, the cast is incredible. Like if you just take Kevin Costner out of it, he's got some Man. of the best. Like one of Morgan Freeman's best roles. My personal favorite, Alan Rickman as the sheriff of Nottingham. He is so fucking good in this movie. My favorite Alan Rickman performance of all time. He's he's hamming it up. I know he he's is. giving you a big ham sandwich in it. I mean, every bite, it's so fucking good. He's got every line reading felt iconic to me rewatching it. It's like, yeah, he's got all the accent you need. He's, he's got the movie covered. <laughs> well, Alan Rickman apparently turned down this role twice and what? they begged him to be in this movie. And they said, basically, if you join this cast, we will allow you to do whatever you want. You, you can go crazy. You have carte blanche. And so that's the performance that you see. And a lot of his most classic lines, like... Cancel the kitchen scraps for lepers and orphans. No more merciful beheadings. And call off Christmas. 
that is all ad libbed. Or when he walks out in that same scene and there's those two girls and he's like, uh-huh. you 1030, you 1045. <laughs> and bring a friend. Uh, bring a friend. <laughs> yeah. That was, yeah, that was improv. Yeah, that was improv. And, yeah, I remember that, that coming up in like the bonus features we had for the DVD and it was like, Alan Rickman, he's a fucking badass. Yeah, so good. and and it's rumored that Kevin Costner actually had some of Rickman's scenes cut because he realized that Rickman was upstaging him. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, and as far as Kevin Costner and the accent, you know, I don't. I wouldn't even say there is an accent. It's like he's not trying at all, and I guess. So again, another rumor that in I the heard. beginning of the movie, he kind of like a little bit. Not, yeah, yeah, it's like an affectation. It's not really an accent. The story behind that is apparently that he wanted to use an English accent, but Kevin Reynolds, the director, didn't want him to, and so like he would try to throw in his a- accent when when he felt like he could, but it was like he was sneaking it in because apparently Costner claimed that he hired a dialect coach but then they like stopped it because they thought that it was just like not working out he wasn't yeah it was just like this is not gonna work that was a great choice yeah because it's like you would focus on it like leaning into it would be way more obvious and be like you know what fuck it he's just off the grid like yeah (laughs) and the same thing with christian slater i know and that's another thing they don't they don't really point out that there's a lot of american people i mean i guess azim has an accent he's a more you got to admit it does stand out that you know you go oh he's blowing you just move around and then kevin costner's like hi i'm kevin costner <laughs> like, it's well the just... reason <laughs> the reason why it doesn't and this is because again it comes back to that mission statement like this is i feel like it's like a spaghetti western uh where Americans are making a British iconic story mm-hmm. and our guy is American and like the the stuff the way we're going to present this is going to be in a Hollywood way and some of it might be a bastardization it's obviously going to be more bombastic I think it's consistent with the the overall motif it's not the, but in other ways like it is it's not like they didn't have an attention to detail. One of my favorite things, I think there's a good, if we want to start creating, like moving through the plot, I have, one of my favorite things about this movie is the way it starts. And the first scene is a, like a historical tapestry uh, of, you know, of that period. The Crusades. Yeah, even though it's a, the, the story of Robert Hood is mythological, but it's so cool because that's like it's setting like the tone of like okay this is where we're not we're we're getting taken to the, this time period and it's also married with I, I really don't like long intros with a bunch of credits for the most part but this one is because it's introducing in my opinion that everyone talks about Brian Adams but Michael Kamen <laughs> is the best score of any like medieval style like and better than Lord of the Rings better than some of my favorite Star Wars like grand sweeping compositions it's got amazing songs yeah it starts off with the main theme the main theme is such a ripper 
When I was watching the movie, that main theme of the score, I was like, they use this in other movies? Where else is this coming from? And I realized that this movie did so well and was probably Morgan Creek. It was their most successful film. So if you watch the Morgan Creek-like intro, they use the Robin Hood soundtrack. So that 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 opening... Like you've, I've seen that in a million movies because it's the intro to the Morgan Creek logo. Well, I knew that, but I thought that I didn't realize I've never seen another Morgan Creek movie. So I didn't even know that. Like, when did that company? I mean, uh, well, I don't know. I wonder if they had intros prior to that saga, but, uh, hold on. Let's see. Morgan Creek movies. Did they do Uh, Waterworld? Because that's also another Kevin Reynolds movie. Probably. And Kevin Costner. Uh, Yeah. They did Ace Ventura, Pratt Detective. Right. Bringing bringing that up again. We talked about that Ace Ventura in the last episode. Yeah. Uh, They did Major League, True Romance, Last of the Mohicans. Okay. Um, Okay. Yeah. So a lot of... Oh, they did Nature Calls, too. Yeah. no, you're right. They've produced a lot of different movies. And they always use that theme. But yeah, I think we had the soundtrack to this movie on CD or tape, because I just remember yeah. Mom picking us up from school and, like, blasting this this soundtrack, like, coming home from school and stuff. Like, we were, just, we were just, like, this music was always around. We were just, like, listening to the soundtrack. It's And it's not just the overture. There's so many, like, builds and, like, just subtle moments and then like the rising action additionally it is definitely a movie that got me into archery and definitely some of the most satisfaction I got growing up was shooting my bow uh, listening to the soundtrack at the same time and just like getting totally in the geek mode of just it's almost synonymous with archery the, 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 the what it evokes kind of spiritually that music to me yeah can you talk a little bit about your history as an archer um like when you got your first bow and how you started to get into that and was it a direct like you loved Robin Hood so much that you wanted to pick up uh, archery (laughs) well I can't think of an archery movie that preceded it I I know that like anytime it was in anything with a bow and arrow, I was intrigued when I know that I got a resurgence when Lord of the Rings came out and the crazy shit they had Legolas doing in Fellowship of the Ring. But uh-huh. yeah, traditional long bow, some recurve. I got, like I said, it started with the, the suction cup bow when I was like a little kid. And then when I turned 13, my dad commissioned a neighbor of ours to build me a bow and that was like my first real bow and how old were you 13 so like the thunderbolt one yeah yeah which sadly that one actually got splintered i brought it with me when i was traveling one time and is all black with this sort of native american-esque look to it yeah sick paint job 
Yeah, it was it was a mind blowing gift, and and like one of the things that ah, well that, that that could really derail us thoroughly if I go on a full archery tangent because there's so much of it. But one of the things that I think it I, to do a quick synopsis that this movie inspired was like thinking of modern day archery. The majority of people use compound bows which are great for hunting and target shooting, but it's a, a very singular, slow, methodical, precise alternative branch to philosophically use it. And my fascination with the bow, I never, I've never gone hunting. It's something that I, I want to get into now, but I always target shot since I was 13. And, but the way I've, it would shoot was something called instinctive archery, which in a lot of ways was just not kind of teaching myself and learning some bad habits. But my frame of mind was like not thinking about how accurate can I get this one shot and take all day to aim and, you know, be all calm and centered. It was like, what if eight guys, like, what if I was in Robin Hood? What if there was orcs everywhere? <laughs> I, I have to get good at reloading arrows i have to be efficient at like the speed of that's what i thought like the mechanics the beauty of archery isn't necessarily to me about like getting a million bullseyes in a row that can be impressive it's way less impressive with a compound bow if you think about it as a weapon and and not just like a thing to hit a target uh, a thing to defend yourself with and how it's still a highly effective thing to use it's it's silent you can retrieve your ammunition. Uh, it's very lethal. And it, it's just one of those perfect technologies that, like, before that, and in my opinion, it's one of the most influential inventions in the history of mankind. Because if you think of how we had to procure protein up to that point, you'd have to run up, for the most part, with a spear, maybe throw a spear, drop rocks on something. Once you start getting bows, it changes how you hunt. It changes war bow hunting on horseback it just gets on and on crazier and crazier and there's so many levels every culture has a different uh sort of expertise and what they were good at with bows some bows require like insane like the then viking bows they're like 180 pounds to pull back like i couldn't even pull a bow back to the the, wow. the war bows that they use to shoot these shafts that are so thick that they can pierce armor I'm gonna wow. cut myself off, but like I could really, <laughs> I, I would just I'll just say that this movie, yeah, not only did it inspire my initial interest, I would say to a large extent in archery, but it really provided the framework of reference of like what is it, how is it used, what are the possibilities, and a lot of it is Hollywood. Uh, some of the the things that he does are 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 exaggerated, but I really appreciate the shit out of those things, even if they're a little bit crazy. Some of the great uh, archery moments in this movie are like when Kevin Costner pulls the arrows out of his quiver and like stabs it into the ground and then like kind of has like some quick arrows right there. I like when he like, uh, he bites the feather off like one of his arrows and does the like awesome like double shot. It gets two guys off a horse. Caleb, can you explain a little bit why he would slice off the the feather like why didn't you just put two two right next to each other 
Like, do you have to bite off the feather? Does that make it like so it turns to the left or the right or something? Or well, in theory, the 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 feathers definitely uh, contribute to the stability of the flight. So they they if it doesn't have feathers, it is more likely to sort of flop around the shaft. So they're playing around with the idea that if you know if he's so good that he would rip off an arrow because he, you can only aim in one spot, but he knows that if he rips off one feather that it's going to peel the direction off in another way to the point that it could do a split shot, which I've never... I do have some arrows that have a missing feather, but that, to me, feels like a little bit of, of some Hollywood action, but it's like uh-huh. it's, it's got enough of its foot in... Reality and physics, yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. there's another movie that does the same thing where they they sort of think about physics in terms of, like, it's a Korean war movie, I believe. Uh, It's called, like, War of Arrows. Another really ridiculously high-grossing movie, but the guy, like, twists his string uh, with his wrist to the point that when he lets it go, that it would add, like, an additional kind of torque, and so the arrow can actually... curve and steer which yeah. is uh wow not realistic it it, it not neither of those are realistic in the <laughs> sense that like i don't think that it's replicatable but it's like yeah if you get rid of a feather it would manipulate how it would fly but i like the fact the one of the th- reasons why that last uh thing that you mentioned the three arrows in the ground thing i didn't really appreciate this uh, until I watched it as an adult, but like the fact that what's going on in that scene is, you know, a bunch of Celtic barbarians are going over the the walls into Sherwood Forest, or not the walls, the hill, and uh, you know, Robin of Loxley is immediately realizing is here's a massive army. He knows that if he doesn't take firm directive action in that moment, they're gonna get completely slaughtered. And yeah. as a leader, and, and in keeping with the theme that they have from the very beginning of the movie when they grab his arm and, you know, they say something about him and he's like, I'm going to show you uh, British courage or, or something, English courage. It, it, he talks about courage throughout the thing and exemplifying in that moment is like, I need to storm the front, even if it's by himself, and I need to show that we can kill these things and that we need to be brave or we're going to fucking all die. And, yeah. the, and the, just the, the way that it coincides with the perfect musical hook, it's such a bad... It gives me chills. I could watch that 10 times in a row, and then it's, it's always badass. It's so good. And it puts into the practice that idea of, like, efficiency, arrow, knock, shoot. Like, I love that. <clears throat> it's, it's rapidity. Mm-hmm. Few other things about just the arrow, um, the flaming, the famous flaming arrow shot. It was shot at three hundred frames per second, which I don't think many movies were shooting at that high of a frame rate yet. The first time we see Robin Hood with an arrow is he picks up a crossbow just yeah. out of nowhere. What? Yeah. How the hell did he get that crossbow? It's like when he's being like approached by all of the sheriff's kind of like lackeys 
when they're when him and Azim are walking in the beginning, and then um, I'm but, pretty sure that he that he gets it from the first guy. That's 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 like terrorizing the the kid in the tree. Kid, yeah, mm-hmm. and the guy he ends gets up born. Gets, yeah, he gets in a skirmish with him, and busts his face in with the crossbow, and then he kind of sneaks it. Yeah, so I think he gets it from that first minion. Yeah, and that is the sheriff's cousin. Yeah, right. There's there's some family connections in this movie. I was like, the sheriff. Yeah, because he keeps. Alan Rickman's like cousin. Hello, cousin. And yeah. Sean Connery is cousins with Lady Marion. Yes, Sean Connery making a very short uh, cameo <laughs> at the very end of this movie. Yes, yeah, King so, Richard. I'm just I'm just gonna keep throwing trivia out there. All but right. Sean Connery was not the first choice. Kevin Reynolds wanted it to be John Cleese. Oh, but, <laughs> that would have been so good. <laughs> I know. I mean, Sean Connery's great, but that's amazing. But Kevin Costner insisted on on Sean Connery, and so <laughs> he, he shot for one day and got a million dollars. Nice. Make that quick mill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like two I lines, a million dollars. I, I knew it, too, when I saw that. I'm like, that's half their budget. Is him oh just walking into this? <laughs> well, no. So the budget of this movie was actually forty-eight million, and they made one hundred and sixty-four. So they it was good. a huge, huge success. Yeah, there's also the brother thing where they find out like Christian Slater and and Robin are are brothers. Yeah, that's a great twist. Yeah, I think that's Christian Slater's best scene in the movie. He's like, he really is delivering the emotion of that scene. He's like, he's like freaking out and crying and. He shoots him in the hand. Yep. Another great... What's that all about? One of my favorite (laughs) archery shots, too, in the movie. Well, because he was going to throw his dagger at him. And it's like, A, self-defense, and B, like, again, setting the tone. Because it's like, if if he's going to let, you know, one of the the merry men kind of question his authority, Uh then he's not going to have any chance of, of... being a leader, so he had to kind of be a little firm-fisted with him. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> and little John, just speaking of challenging that the He's fight great. scene between between them, um, gotta say, little John kind of kicks Robin Hood's ass. Oh yeah, and Robin Hood, quote unquote, wins by just like sucker punching him from behind twice. Like the only times he gets small shot. Yeah. yeah, the surprise ball <laughs> shot out of the river, Not dude. Shot. I know, but like the two times he gets Little John is like he just hits him from behind. Total, yeah, the first... total, total cheap shot. Yeah, the first one is a really funny one. It's like a big wide shot. He just like runs up and like smacks him in the back of the head with a stick. I know, so... but it's just like after he hits him in the balls, like Little John just gives up so easy. He's like, all right, all right, you got well, it. And everyone's it... like, wow, he's the best. It's like, Dude, Robin Hood just got the shit kicked out of him by this guy. Like, how does he have any respect from the Merry Men after that, like, poor performance? Well, I think it's a couple of things. Uh, I think it's one that it's, it's, you know, I was just uh, listening to some commentary from a recent big boxing match, and they talk about it's a common theme of fighters. Like, even if you lose, if you took a licking and you kept, fighting took a licking and keep on ticking 
yeah, like there there's a lot of respect that he garnered through that. And also he he made him yield because he doesn't know how to swim, which uh-huh. is a conceit I believe that's consistent in all the Robin Hood movies that I've seen, is that for some reason he's this big guy that's really <laughs> fearsome but doesn't know how to swim and you know, he's by a river all the time. <laughs> they have that great scene in Robin Hood Men in Tights when he yeah. knocks him into the creek and he's like, I can't yeah. swim! I can't, I can't swim! swim. <laughs> yeah. And he just looks at the camera like, okay. Um, oh, this is another interesting fact is, um, so, uh, Carrie Elwes, who yeah. is Princess Bride and the Robin Hood Men in Tights, he was actually the first choice for this role and he turned it down because he didn't like the script. That's crazy. And then he gets to do Men in Tights two years later. It makes me wonder what the script is like because... I mean, I think you see it. It's not much change. Well, it's a good script, but it's like what really like... Again, it's the culmination of factors. Like they did an amazing... Like the people who worked on this movie, you could tell it was a passion project. The, the Like the costume design in this movie is incredible the music's incredible uh the great locations on location shooting they get some beautiful look like that yeah. first or like uh, that weird little hill that uh oh Azim yeah and um robin hood around when they first get to england and they're like talking about like oh what do you know of women that whole scene i really love that location yeah i'm a sucker for green hills cinematography is great i can't really think of an aspect of movie making that like they don't excel at in the movie yeah someone argued that it's too long but i i'm i can't see it any other way <laughs> but yeah well it doesn't yeah my memory of it I, I think i just saw it's like 140 minutes so it's over two hours back yeah. then that was too long now yeah. that's short movie honestly <laughs> well i will admit caleb watching this movie felt like a long it was a long slog for me and yeah i at like 45 minutes in i checked the time and it was like there's still an hour and a half i I was just like oh my god and so i don't know i i feel like it is very long movie yeah too long i would just say too long there's things that could get trimmed down in theory to to make it uh more accessible to more people definitely if you look at what i remember of the extended sort of special edition dvd thing a lot of that it's like yeah it's a good thing they cut that stuff because i mean i guess it's interesting for super fans like us but uh doesn't add to the overall quality and a lot of the things i mean i would i would like to go i couldn't find a scene by scene breakdown of the movie because I don't know what I would cut in retrospect. I feel like maybe some stuff with more Tiana, the the witch. Well that is one of the that is one of the things they cut is some sort of reveal that uh Mortiana is the is the Sheriff Nottingham's mother. Yeah, yeah, I remember something like that. Another family connection. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what does it say here? It says Moriana explains that she killed the true George Nottingham as a baby and then replaced him with her own infant son, revealing that she is the sheriff's real mother. Yeah, the witch is 
very interesting character. You got that milky eye going. She's got a red eye and a white eye. Very cool. She freaked me out as a kid. Like I couldn't, those were the (laughs) scenes I like would leave the room for. It's like, oh, she creeps me out too much. Mom would jump in front of the camera for a lot of that. (laughs) Yeah, because yeah, it's a little too scary for me maybe. That like she, yeah, they could have like used the bare minimum of her, I feel like, because, you know, there are some plot points that, but it's also an excuse, like, she's really just, like, someone that Alan Rickman talks to, like, and you get more of him. I, what I love about it is, like, every main cast member has at least one scene where they steal the show, in my opinion. Like, Little John has a couple where, like, the times where his family's in jeopardy when when the the trees are burning and his wife and baby are in the thing and he's, like, mm-hmm. you know, screaming at her from the other end. And then... That- whole scene is really i think so the, good the centerpiece of this film when uh the sheriff of nottingham burns down and ransacks the uh merryman's forest village yeah i love that that moment and that that siege where they start busting out the fire arrows and start lighting like all the houses on fire cannonballs flaming cannonballs and everybody's just on fire yeah, you see the sheriff of Nottingham, like he's just like picking something out of his teeth, like wow, yeah. like the siege is going on, like he doesn't give a fuck, like nah, just yeah. like a little moment like that. This makes me love the sheriff even more. The one question I had with that is, so everybody's running for their lives, everything's on fire, Little John's in trouble, but Robin Hood is just dumping gold coins out. What? What? Why was he doing that? I think it's just it's dumping like, money out. Like, it's just like, dude, you're Robin Hood. Let's, uh, you know, put out some of these fires, save a few people. He's <laughs> like, no, I got to get rid of this cash. I think the idea is like their home is now fucked. And it's like, take what money you can because the sheriff and the, like, they're going to take everything. At least if you have some coins in your pocket, then you can like survive a little bit uh, wherever you end up going. That, that's what I always sort of interpreted it as. I thought it was him distracting the greedy enemy by them, like, running around and then stopping and being like, oh, gold coins! I think and, that, that's what kind of happened, so, yeah. Is that what happened? Like, that, okay. the Celtic soldiers started grabbing at the, the coins, too. I don't know. Th- it, it is a weird moment a little bit, but they don't like, linger out it for too long. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, what are you doing, dude? You know, yeah, you should like start shooting people, but <laughs> yeah. Can we talk a little bit about Friar Tuck? Yeah, the the drunken Friar Tuck. I, I think he's a great character. He's great. Oh my god. Yeah, talk about his scene stealing moment it was when with that fucking like priest guy. That's probably the best line in the movie. Is is when he's like, "There's thirty pieces of silver to pay the devil on your way to hell." <laughs> Smashes him out the window <laughs> to pay the devil. <laughs> yeah, he fucking rules. That actor is uh, Michael McShane, and I recognized him from Office Space. He's the hypnotherapist, you know, that dies after he hypnotizes the main character in in Office Space. Yeah, he also breaks the fourth wall at the end of the movie. He talks directly to the camera. Oh, that's and, crazy! Like, give, yeah, gives a gives a little wink to the camera. <laughs> That's what I love about it. Like, the, these are the things that people, like, can complain about, but it's, like, 
Yeah, but that's why I like it. They were, they take these like stupid. It's campy. Yeah. Yes, yes. They're leaning into it. It's great. <laughs> and that scene though, when uh, he's like, "You make cases of bride," and he's like, "I know that." How <laughs> Kevin Costner says that. <laughs> what? Is, like, what is that line? Uh, it's like him trying to do like a Han Solo. Like, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's proud it's of like, that. <laughs> It's just like not romantic or witty or anything. And that's the one complaint I have about Costner's Robin Hood is he's not that playful. He's not that witty, which I think is like the main tenet of the character of Robin Hood there. The only scene where he really feels like that is when they're robbing from the rich. Yeah. When he's like in the tree and he like just kind of sneaks a, a, bag of coins and then he goes up to that girl all smooth and he's like you don't need this ring um yeah i truly hope so yeah other other than that scene there's nothing really like endearing about him he's just he also seems kind of stupid like when he's when he's like looking through the telescope and he's like oh they're coming and it's like and even Morgan Freeman's character is like you're not that smart yeah (laughs) i guess i think that's what they're clearly it's like a good cover song you don't try and do replicate exactly what was successful about the first song you you try to deviate enough that it's your own thing and i feel like that's what they do successfully because yeah we've seen the like witty wisecracking and the green tights yeah he's he's not doing that he's got some he's got some good witty remarks but like what are more successful are the times that he's like clumsy. Like when he, when Friar Tucker kicks him in the face and he falls off the, the wagon and he's mm-hmm. going back to like, to, to kind of like size him up and be like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. And his bow and his, his quiver is all like fucked up around him. And he's <laughs> just like, fucking fuck this. Like, <laughs> and yeah. I, I love heroes that are like that, where what's heroic is not necessarily that, they're always graceful. Like I like I think that is endearing that to be the like the clumsy like action hero. But also just straight up dumb. He asks the blind guy to look after Maid Marion. He literally says, Look after her. He's blind. Yeah, yeah. Duncan. <laughs> I love Duncan though. <laughs> Duncan's great. He look kinda looks like uh Willie Nelson a little bit. Immediately she gets captured. Like, just immediately. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, that was a bad plan. <laughs> I love how the, when Duncan comes back to Sherwood Forest, how their alarm signal is those, they have the arrows with the whistle attached to them. That and is just, just so shoot cool. it, like, near yeah, him. Like, yeah. Yeah, going back to that, that scene with Friar Tuck, when he gets knocked off the wagon, and then Robin goes up to him, it's like, well, do you yield? And he's like, I'd rather roast in hell tries to bite his leg. That part got me, <laughs> gave me a good laugh. Just like yeah. Briar Tuck tried to take a chomp out of his leg. Briar Tuck, Tuck is wasted. Yeah. All the time. He's a lush. I like how qu- he quickly assimilates to the, the outlaw band too. He's like, he's very against it. Then he's like, he seems buddies with him pretty quick, which is cool. <laughs> he's drunk. Yeah. I think the example I was thinking of, not so much with the sequels, but Casino Royale with Daniel Craig I remember really liking that movie and part of it was that same kind of thing of like getting away from like 
the the sophisticated like yeah like he was still witty but he wasn't Pierce Brosnan he wasn't like he was this like rolling down staircase brutal kind of clumsy but also he was intelligent but you you, you make some valid points but I think that adds to the endearing <laughs> rather than take it away in my opinion fair enough yeah um so speaking of Pierce Brosnan I have to play you this clip so Pierce Brosnan did a made-for-TV, or he was the host of a made-for-TV documentary about the release of Robin Hood, Prince of Prince of Thieves. What? Um, yeah. I and didn't know that. His delivery on every single segue segment where he tees up the next part is so overdramatic, and he is just chewing the scenery. <laughs> and, and just like talking with so much praise about this movie like it's going to be the next fucking citizen kane it's like <laughs> tomorrow the world will be changed a legend that will live on forever and tomorrow night with the premiere of robin hood the prince of thieves kevin cosner will be the next to string the bow ignite our imaginations and continue the legacy long live robin hood <laughs> I'm Pierce Brosnan. This is like Jim and Eric. It, it's so funny. Like it, it makes me wonder how much they paid him to do this, or what kind of like stimulant he was on. <laughs> it makes me feel like why didn't they choose Pierce Brosnan to play Robin Hood? He would have been fucking amazing. I bet you that's like why he did it so well because he was like, I should have been fucking Robin Hood. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna show you right now that I should have been <laughs> Robin Hood. Because, like, his, his voice is perfect for it. I could totally see him, like, killing it as an action star. Like, he, he makes so much more sense to me as a Robin Hood than Kevin Costner. But Kevin Costner had the star power, so, you know, I, I don't think Pierce Brosnan had really well, done anything at uh, that point. I mean, I think he would make a great a Robin Hood in a different movie. It would have to be, a di like, you'd have to write it different and it had to be approached differently. Like, if you put him in the same movie... I just don't think he could carry it. Fair enough. Agree to disagree. <laughs> so the first time you see Robin wearing a hood is when he goes into the castle to tell kind of Maid Marian his plan when they're standing at the candles. And and then as he walks away, she's like, Hey and Robin, take a bath. <laughs> she doesn't say it like that. <laughs> she does. And then take a bath. And, and so, um, so this ties in with my favorite scene in this movie. The waterfall scene. No. Well, that too. <laughs> but when he just grabs that pile of shit with all this might, when he just grabs that pile of shit with his hand, just that big steaming pile of shit, I lost my mind laughing. Wait, when and, does that happen? I don't even remember. This. It's before he goes into the castle and he's posing as like a blind guy. That's how he gets uh, in. It's uh, like the guards like, get the fuck off me. You smell like shit. And he's like, lets him go through. But they, oh my God, Zach, you have to rewatch the movie. He just, gets a fistful of horse he manure. Like, <laughs> he just puts his whole hand in that. It's like, I understand what he's going for. It's like, he couldn't have just like rubbed his sleeve against the pile of shit or like just kind of like nudged into it a little bit. That's what Pierce Brosnan would have done. 
<laughs> Kevin Costner goes whole fucking hand. Yeah. He gets his under his fingernails. <laughs> In between the finger, the webs of his fingers. Yeah. It's like he just it's he wants to activate the all the stench in it. He wants to break it up and just release the odor. It's what a hero would do. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he he is a bit of a bimbo now you mention all these dumb things he does in the movie, but <laughs> that's not dumb. It works. <laughs> What's funny too is like the the guard sees him and he's like, Wait, you look familiar and he's like, Wait, hold on, you smell like shit. <laughs> Go away. And but it's like the movie, the movie gets it all confused because, so that scene was supposed to be in the beginning, when he's trying to break into the castle to talk to Maid Marian, and so that's why she says take a bath is because he's supposed to be stinking like shit during that scene. But they like because of some sort of continuity thing or that they couldn't explain how he got into the castle, they like rearranged those scenes. Really? Yeah. Where did you see that? I, Some Wikipedia. Yeah, I just looked it up. But it, I just I, I wrote it down because the pile of shit scene just stood out to me. What's great about that is that's where you really get an unfiltered uh, vision of what his British accent was before the director's like, don't do that. Yeah. When he says, he's like, oh, pardon me. I'm just a blind man. It's just like, that's what he would have done the whole movie. He does it just for them because he's like trying to be a different person. <laughs> yeah, that's so. That's such a good point. Talking about Christian Slater and his approach to being English, that one scene where he says "fuck me," he cleared it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. After after they both get catapulted over the wall, they throw yeah. in the one F for the PG thirteen movie. Christian Slater <laughs> just ad libbed that. And the director thought it was funny, so he was like, "I don't care that it's historically inaccurate. We're just leaving that in." It's so fun. It's so fun. That's they're they're always doing what's most fun. They don't care. It's (laughs) just it's a good time. It's on that precipice because so many of the elements of the movie are so sophisticated and so well executed that it's like you want to start criticizing this as high film, but it's really just an action movie. It's a really fucking good. Like when action movies were good, I think I re- I remember asking our mom or Aunt Donna for Austin about <laughs> this, like when he's trying to get that shot in the tense scene with the the hanging boy, shoot and, the rope. You know he misses, and the guy like comes up and like tries to fuck with him, so he has to like he gets distracted, and has to jump down, and like he knows like if if he doesn't fucking like make this next one, he's just gonna fucking hang. So. He, he just, like, licks the feather a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what is that about? And my mom, I think my mom was just like, eh, it's just, like, a little good luck thing. And I'm like, that's exactly what that fucking is. It's not <laughs> even anything. Like, it, it's it's meaningless, but it's like, he's putting extra stink on it. Kind of like a, like a pitch. Or like, uh, yeah, like spitting on a ball or, or putting a little oh. chalk on your cue. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I love that shit. And, uh, I don't know, my my mind's a little bit distracted. I'm I'm still in like early parenthood mode, so like I'm I'm getting sleep deprivation. But the the, the, the I'm being revivified with the enthusiasm of this movie. So my brain's not working, but I, I have energy, even though I was about to sleep three hours ago. Caleb, you should just uh, we should just say, Caleb, you just had a baby boy a few months ago. 
Yeah, uh, December 30th. Sailor Delta, Mark Zweifler, is in mm-hmm. the world right now. New, new family member. New family member and uh, a new page in the Zweifler generational book. Um, mm-hmm. And so what's it like being a parent and how are you, are you going to teach your child uh, archery and teach them the ways of Loxley? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm definitely, I'm going to infuse as much uh, of my things that I'm enthusiastic about uh, as possible, but I, I also want to, like, whatever they're into. If he wants to be, you know, a little, like, warrior, I <laughs> I will totally support him in that, that quest, but if that's not what he's about, that's cool, too. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking about you and the baby one, little John, when his wife there's a little birth scene with that, but then like he grabs the baby yeah. and he's, he presents it to everybody, raises him up. He says, my son. <laughs> yeah, that's totally what it feels like. <laughs> Did you do that when, when Sailor was born? If I could have paraded around with him and yelling and hooting and hollering, I would have done that. But <laughs> it's a very interesting way to like just take the baby from the mom and just start parading through <laughs> the, the drunken revelry with this. Like the bilgal cards hanging off, he's like, ah, <laughs> yeah, lifting him up like he's the Lion King, my son. Yeah, that's great though. He's he's one of the great, and I feel like he's one of the. I presume he can't be American because his his English dialect seems really authentic to me. Nick Brimble, Brimble, he's got a great face, just a very friendly face. You just want to give him a hug. You got balls of solid rock. there are some great character actors in this movie one of the guys brian blessed who plays robin's dad who gets attacked by the kkk in the beginning of the movie um so he actually almost died shooting that scene i guess in the first take when the when he charges at all of the guys in robes the horse bucked him and he fell and the they horse got trampled and the horse fell as well and like came like inches from crushing him and is that the same that or the take that they used no no so the, they just he just got up and did it again and it's i can't the believe they take. a stunt double for that yeah that guy almost died i believe it with the robin loxley's dead that's another part a lot of like the really uh grisly parts of the movie that are I, again I don't think you see that in any other Robin Hood movie like when he sees his dad when he gets back to the castle and he's up in that like torture device and he's like all burned to shit it's pretty brutal but before I, for, before I forget that one of the my favorite things uh, about uh, this movie is the final sword fight with Alan Rickman and I think it is just a masterpiece because, you know, you don't really appreciate it as as much when you, there's so many great sword fighting scenes in cinema. Like there's tons in uh, Princess Bride, you know, some of the Star Wars movies, there's great choreography and, and the lightsaber stuff. But like what I love about this one is it's so realistic. Even if you, like you were... Uh, a trained knight if you're using those heavy of swords 
in a confined space like that where you're, you know, desperately like fighting for your life, it would not be pretty at all. And I love that it's just like they take turns losing their weapons, tripping, throwing shit at each other, like dodging behind shit. It's it looks like almost like two brothers like fighting each other, but with like much more dire consequences. The, the, the fact that they there is choreography to it, but it's so much more chaotic. And and because of that, like it makes you as an audience member like, dude, you don't know what the fuck's going to happen. You, you feel like someone's head's going to get cut off at any minute because it's not like, oh, Perry repost, uh, you know, like <laughs> it's, uh-huh. it's very, uh, down in the dirt. Like, I, I think it's brilliant. And I guess Alan Rickman broke 10 swords doing that scene that's so dangerous <laughs> just breaking a sword and, and I, was, I, was, I mean i would i would hope that they wouldn't have like you know actually sharpened blades but like <laughs> do you remember that old video that was like that that infomercial guy that's testing that oh, katana yeah, yeah, yeah. and it blops off and it like goes into his like main artery and like he's just like oh that yeah, that's like some clip we pulled off Ebub's world that we'd watch all the time. And the nice thing about these practice katanas. Oh! Oh, that hurt. Oh, that hurt big time. A piece of that just, the tip just got me, Odell. Oh, that got me good. You all right? A piece of that tip just got me. Oh, Folks, right now, we uh, may need emergency surgery. In the studio. <laughs> oh, oh my that's, god, that that's what I'm saying. Like that if he broke that many swords, that could have easily happened. Yeah, but um, he's really swinging that and he's got a huge sword and like in the story ridiculous. it's it's Robin's dad's sword, so it has yeah. that extra stick to it that he's like attacking him with his father's sword, which is kinda of badass. Yeah, it's a claymore. But it's... also when yeah, Rickman when uh Robin gives him the, the stab in the chest when he's like distracted with Marion or something and just like how drawn out his death is and he's like drooling from the mouth yeah. like I love his death it's just like really ugly and uh, I he does a great job dying in this movie <laughs> and he's just like <laughs> gasping and like crawling towards the light of the window and air and stuff yeah it's great the way he like turns back and looks at her like the blade I gave you (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah but again uh, Costner Costner against Rickman it just it looks so bad because Rickman is just bringing it he's got the whole kind of medieval vibe and I forget what he says where he's like I've got your father's sword and he's like well, I've never been afraid of my dad's sword. He <laughs> <laughs> was such a like. That was actually a pretty good costume there. That was good. <laughs> he, says, he says, I'll never fear my father's sword. Yeah, but he does not say it like that. He's like, I'll he never fear my dad. father's sword. <laughs> I never fear daddy's sword. His voice is cracking. <laughs> what are you talking about? I'll never, I'll never fear dad's sword. Caleb won't stand for this blasphemy. I'm not saying it's Rickman level, but it's not like that. But there's another, there's another scene like that when he escapes from the chandelier, 
And that's Rickman awesome. goes, oh, no, it's great. And then Rickman goes, I'll cut your heart out with a spoon. <laughs> and, then, and then it cuts to Costner. He's like, then it begins. <laughs> 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 you yeah. have it so much higher in the in the tone right as and it begins <laughs> that'd be funnier if he did say it like that it's just like it's just the juxtapos like just the comparison of the two of them why a spoon yeah the like it seems like that line i'm gonna cut your heart out with a spoon it's just like a one-off line but then there's like a later scene with him and his cousin talking about why he wants to do it with a spoon like he just keeps talking about how he wants to cut it out with a spoon that's pretty he funny has to justify it yeah he brings it up to everybody he meets i guess the only other scene that i really want to talk about is maid marion peeping on kevin costner's bare ass skinny dipping well that's that's actually another uh i really like those two like numbskull yeah. Uh, guys that are like accompanying her boy, to the boy, thing. You can't do yeah. that. Come back here. Come yeah, back here. Those guys are great. <laughs> yeah, they kind of remind me of Hobbits a little bit. One's got kind yeah. of a Mary, Mary Pippin vibe. Totally. The only thing I remember about that scene is I was like, why is his ass so bleach white? Well, like I don't think lot. it was Costner. Why not? I think it, I think it was a body double. I think that was early CG, and the white part was just like they didn't know how to do the color match. <laughs> it was animatronic, actually. It was Photoshop. <laughs> uh, there's a there's just a couple quotes I want to pull out that really so ing- many quotes ingrained in me. Like there's the when Robin's like talking to the to the outlaws, and at one point one old guy goes, "We ain't got nothing to eat." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's such a great delivery. I feel like me and you would quote that line all the time. Uh, it's such a great point. Yeah, and he's just got so much such attitude when he says it. Yeah, and also just like the the guys going, "No blades, no bows. Leave your weapons here." And just yep. like that that really was burned in my memory. Like them just repeating that. Get some troops in here. The <laughs> the sheriff of Nottingham. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's so many. What would you? What's what's one of your favorite lines, Caleb? I'm sure it's hard to choose. I like you'd almost have to go by character. I mean, I love the the jingle. There was a rich man from Nottingham that kind across the river. What a dope! He drifted on a road. <laughs> now look at him shiver. Beg for mercy, rich man. <laughs> yeah, that's Christian Slater. Uh, in the river scene, that I love that too. But that's the introduction of uh, Little John too, right? He's like, "This is precious to me. It's precious to us too, mate." That gold <laughs> medallion, a fetus for a blooming month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that whole scene is just perfect, top to bottom. I love that location. That's a beautiful, like little river location, and they introduce all the characters so well. Perfect fight scene. Stick fighting would just fucking. Suck like when he clips him in the like the that uppercut right in the fucking face with thick ass sticks with a huge dude. Hey, Drew Bloody did. <laughs> and what yeah. else we got? Morgan Freeman. Yeah, the thing. Yeah, I like about his character is that he has this whole thing of, you know, Robin Hood saves his life in Jerusalem, and he has this thing. It's like I'm gonna stick around with you till I pay this debt, where I have to save your life. And there's like so many situations throughout the movie where Robin Hood's in peril 
and Azib <laughs> doesn't do shit. And Robin Hood goes up to him, he's like, why didn't you do anything? I thought your old deals, you're supposed to save me. And he's like, nah, I'm waiting. <laughs> yeah, that's I just fulfill like, my debts when I choose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he like doesn't do shit the whole movie until at the very end when the, the witch comes out of nowhere and starts screaming and then he throws the scimitar at her. And that's when he pays the debt. Doesn't she actually like run into the spear? He kind of sticks the spear out. That. That's before yeah, yeah. that. And then he thinks oh, yeah. she's dead, but then she pops back up after Sheriff Nottingham's Oh, killed. right. And then he throws. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, Honestly, yeah, great. as much as that fulfills his debt, that to me was the part that like, if I was going to put something on the cutting room floor, like her jumping out again after getting impaled. I mean, I get it. Like if she's a witch, she might have some like stamina that's like otherworldly, but like. Just the whole like overhead throw, spinning sword, it hits her. She goes flying. It's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> like it's such a weird. It's kind of yeah, got some Tarantino ridiculous energy to it. <laughs> and it, and it's because it's like, especially because we already got the the action climax resolution that we needed, and then that happens really abruptly, and then it goes into they're like, <laughs> May Mary and and Robin are just like, that was fucking crazy. Oh yeah, I guess we got to start kissing each other now. <laughs> like, yeah, it's so weird. I don't know. There's, it's such a weird, bold choice that I feel like because when uh, Alan Rickman's like, after they get you know, married, shotgun wedding or whatever, and he's basically like attempting to rape her, and then like awful, the, awful, upsetting scene. That's what it, I would it, cut. Cut all that shit. I mean, it should be though, is because that's what happens in the story. Is like he's trying to. She doesn't want to get fucked, and he wants to fuck and like uh, consummate the marriage or whatever. And like the fa- the 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 how he's like spreading her legs, and then he's like, oh! <laughs> and he goes over through the window. Oh, it's, it's so bad though. I mean, the way that they're like, she's ripe, and like, oh yeah, yeah, they really and yeah, the the way that, that he like spreads her legs is like traumatic. It, I just. Ugh. I was like, Ugh. I'm not saying I enjoyed that, but I mean, I feel like obviously it... he's a villain, but I think that we've already established that he's a shitty guy by that point. But he has to consummate the marriage in order to make it legit. That's it's a legal because he wants thing. one pure thing, right? Yeah, that's, I love yeah. that line. He's like, I only have one thing that's pure in my life. Don't you interfere with it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's the one thing they say about Maid Marian and Robin. Like, I guess they were friends as children. It was like, you burned my hair as a child. Like, you burned her hair. (laughs) Well, I I can kind of see that, how, like, kids don't know how to, like, when they like someone, they, like, do stupid shit. Right, yeah. But that's a little extreme, though. It is. I, I remember when I was a kid, like, in... First you grade, lit a girl's hair on fire. No, I remember like I remember throwing sand at her. Like that yeah. was my move. I'm like, she's gonna think this is fun. Like, <laughs> and she's like, what the fuck? And like ran away. Yeah, <laughs> but thankfully, in your older years, you've learned to be a wiser man. <laughs> Whatever he says uh, to her. The problem with this is that, like, as much as we go through this, I know I'm gonna rewatch this. I'm like, oh, we didn't talk about that fucking shit, but. I could talk about this movie forever, so it was nice to yeah. take a deep dive. Yeah. Um, so, Caleb, why don't you just give us your final thoughts on 
Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Well, I would just say that we've established that I'm super biased. I was brought into it at an early age, uh, and it had a massive impact on me. But, I mean, I really, like, you you could make a case for all the silly things in this movie, and a lot of those are valid. But I think context and era is everything and all the things that are, are a little bit rough, not, not even rough around the edges, but just like <laughs> either like kind of like wincing with tackiness or a different approach than we've seen in the past. I think it's great. They take a lot of risks and they succeed in almost all of them. Uh, and the cast is great. The music's great. All these things we said. I, I would I would agree that it maybe could be a little bit shorter, but I don't know what I would cut from for my benefit. It would just be for like if you're presenting it to a more broader audience. So I, I think it's one of the greatest films. It's in my top, definitely top ten movies of all time, probably top five. Um, it just makes me happy. It's one of those things. It's not even a guilty pleasure. It's just a pleasure. It's it's it's, it's a fucking it's a fucking great movie. Yeah. Yeah, I was definitely feeling that rewatching it. You know, it definitely was your favorite movie, but, you know, I was always around when you'd throw it on. And then, you know, just looking at the VHS box it, or like the cover of it with, you know, the the flaming arrow. And it, he's just like looking great on that, on that cover of it. It's like, how could he not want to watch the movie when you got that sitting in your cabinet? Like, his outfit's so cool. You're going to want to throw that movie on. Yeah, I pretty much agree with what Caleb said, you know. It's definitely, I could see the critiques on this movie. But for me, it's just like I have too much nostalgia wrapped in it. I can't I can't see it for anything else. It's just a, this movie that's part of my, part of growing up. And there's a lot of movies like that where I can't, I can't really give it a hard time for its flaws. Like the things that I love that are ingrained in me overlook all that stuff. I appreciate that, and I'll just say I can't watch this movie without thinking of you guys because <laughs> I I really do think that the only times I've watched it were in the context of being at your house, and um, I'll just be honest. I mean, I didn't like it then, and I don't like it now. <laughs> <laughs> there was nothing. You didn't get anything out of it. You didn't like the anything. Uh, no, okay. So I just will say you liked just, Alan Rickman. I like you said that. I'm I'm glad I watched it, I, dude. I've I've been like researching this movie for the last two days. I've been doing like nothing but think about Robin Hood. I'm just I I I've been doing my own deep dive because, and I'm really happy to get your perspective because it does make me appreciate the movie a lot more. And I think that yeah, I think like in the pantheon of Robin Hood movies, you know, for my money, most Robin Hood movies just aren't that good in general. Like, I just don't think That's that true. the story is that exciting. I, I like Men in Tights, but honestly, I was just re-watching it. I do think that I love the music in it. I forgot all about, like, the rapping choir. Yo, 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 check it out. Prince John and the Sheriff, they was running the show. Raising the taxes because they needed the dough. A reign of terror took over the land. They were shaking down the people just to beat the band. I said, hey, hey. I said, hey. I said, hey. Whenever I think about the tone of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, I think of Die Hard. 
Michael Kamen did the score. And Alan Rickman. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So but, got... like, it's it's really just, like, yeah, it's, like, big explosions, fucking, like, late 80s, early 90s. There's a different thing. It doesn't mm-hmm. work. It doesn't play right now uh, in the same way. It doesn't hit the same. Even though yeah. it didn't hit for you either. <laughs> well, I mean, I just, okay, so my biggest problem with it is Kevin Costner. I think Kevin Costner is so wrong for this part and it's not just the accent i just feel like he is like a bump on a log and sticks out like a sore thumb like he just does not fit in this movie i feel like carrie ellis would would have been a better fit i feel like pierce brosnan would have been a better fit and also kevin costner right now is at the height of his career he's shooting um dances with wolves jfk and this movie all at the same time basically and and they only had 10, because he he was so busy, they only had 10 weeks to shoot this movie. And you can just feel that it's really rushed. People like Alan Rickman and Christian Slater like use that to their advantage because they're like, okay, well, they're not going to throw away this footage. They don't really have any room to do it. I think that's why they like left in things like the fuck me line and let Alan Rickman just be as crazy as he wanted to because um, he added some humor to it. Which I th- and I think it's just a like kind of not a great script. I I don't think that Kevin Costner's given like good Robin Hood vibes. Um, what I appreciate about this conversation is that, a, I feel like it's given me acceptance to the fact that because I've heard of these people that just don't the Kevin Costner doesn't <laughs> work, and it's like you know fair enough. Like some people, there's been things that people say is the best. I'm just like I don't get it at all. Well, and I appreciate your perspective because I think it's sort of cliche to hate on this movie. Um, I just have like is crazy. I can't believe that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel so like it's good. cliche to like shit on this movie. Um, pretty much every review that I look up or on Letterboxd or uh, on YouTube. People are just shitting on this movie left and right. People don't know how to party. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, I just definitely fall in that camp. Just, but. To be fair, though, also just kind of like historical medieval aesthetic in general doesn't really jive with me. It sort of has a fantasy feel to it um, that I just don't really connect with. I never really like I do love the Lord of the Rings movies, but I didn't get into them until like fairly recently. I wasn't able to really appreciate them until recently. Um, And just and it took me a long time to get into Game of Thrones because of the same feel you're a city slicker. You're from Chicago. We're out country bumpkins. <laughs> you, you never been in the woods in your life. <laughs> anyway, but I will say, talking to you both and and the love that you guys have for this movie has definitely made me appreciate it more. I you gotta admit the score is good. You like the score? I love the score. You gotta. You can't deny but the I, score. <laughs> But I feel like and, I have more nostalgia with the score of it being the Morgan Creek opening because it like reminds me of watching Ace Ventura when I was a kid. I, I, I think another thing that needs to be said is that this is something that goes across all movies or or any story thing where an actor is involved. Being the protagonist, like being the Frodo, being the Robin Hood, being the main character, being Neo... It's almost impossible to do. Like a lot of pressure. I, I, there's, Especially if you're not, doing a character from the 13th century. It's, it's been like it's, passed it's, down for generations. 
Well, some of it's because it's like a lot of the the things that are fun to play and and somewhat easier to play are the colorful side people. And there's so many great side people in this. And like, I think for someone that allows all of those other actors to look amazing, like I just, I really believe that if we could go back time and look at the footage for a Pierce Brosnan or uh, any Robin Hood that you would like to be, I mm-hmm. don't th- think the movie would would have the zing that it has that that Kev brings to it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to argue that Kevin is great, but I do think, and I'm, I'm it's not part bothered, of the magic. I'm not bothered by him at all. And when he's in those action scenes, he's he's in it, and that's when I need him to be in it. And yeah, dude, yeah, because like Carrie, you know, what is that? L. How was his last name? Carrie Ellis. Ellis, yeah. Yeah, he could do all the speaking things great, but like when he's sword fighting and stuff, you're like, it's just, it's. I'm not gonna no, I'm not gonna talk shit about it. I'm not. <laughs> I love Princess Bride. Yeah, yeah, it's just a different. It's a different type of Robin Hood. That's it. Some people like different. it. Some people don't. Yeah, it's, it's true. Different. Apples and oranges. It's true. I mean, Carrie, Carrie and Pierce would be a little bit more frou frou. And dainty, yeah. I mean, Kevin Costner's bringing that Ford tough American. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I could see why, you know, if, if all those bad reviews were from Britain, they honestly <laughs> get a pass because they have a right to be pissed about that. But, like, everyone in America be like, fuck yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I've seen a lot of Americans <laughs> shit on this movie, too. But um, it does make it does make you want to go back and rewatch Waterworld. You know, it's the same director. Yeah, and another terrible movie. <laughs> another I didn't huge just like that movie. I only saw it once, and I was like, yeah. it was kind of cool. Yeah, but I mean, like, the, I guess Costner did all of his own stunts in this. You know, he did the archery, did the sword fighting, he did all yeah. the swinging on ropes. Um, Horses. I guess that, and there's that scene where he runs over, like, four horses and then jumps on the saddle. Like that's that was a pretty good stunt. Like when he's he's like I forget what's happening, but he's running from somebody and he he like literally like toe taps over four different horses and then jumps on one. I was like, okay, yeah, it kicks the guy. Yeah, he also does a little backflip off a tree branch. It's kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, that was my favorite yeah. like Robin Hoody moment of him is when he's like, hello, and I take your coins. <laughs> 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 it's funny that like the, the the like things that you think are are stupid in this movie like when you say what you liked it's like some like leprechaun version of Robin Hood that like that sounds so dumb to me. <laughs> well, <laughs> like, I got your fucking <laughs> yeah. It's like I take your ring, madam. <laughs> <laughs> like that's kind not, of... that's not a line in the movie. You just made that up. That's just what it felt like to you when he did it. <laughs> yeah, he actually was like, I'll take your ring. No, he <laughs> says, a woman of your beauty has no need of such ornaments. And then he gives yes. her thing and takes it. And she's like, ooh, yeah, take my ring. But his speech, like that big, when he's firing everybody up, his big uh, patent speech. And he's like, well, what will we do? And he's like, we'll take it back. Shutter's taking all they got, too. And by God, we take it back. <laughs> it's just so funny like it's, especially because like everybody in the audience is like what will we do Robert what will we do we ain't got nothing to eat <laughs> yeah 
And he's like, well, then we'll take it back. What do we need that the forest does not provide? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. So that's, I think that wraps up our conversation on Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Uh, I want to thank my older brother, Caleb, for uh, joining us for this this lovely little chat. I'd also like to thank my cousin, Caleb, for coming on to film with family to talk about one of your favorite movies and giving me a new perspective on a movie that, frankly, I thought was robbing my time. <laughs> Rude. Your way to hell! <laughs> yeah, Caleb's going to throw you out a window next time he sees you. I had a great time. I love the podcast. Can't wait to hear the future episodes. Hopefully this episode isn't as long as the too long, apparently, movie that it's analyzing. <laughs> yeah, we're deep diving here. I'm not just going to give you some surface-level conversation about Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. There's a lot going on. Although, to be fair, we did talk about his accent for probably three hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks, Austin, for doing all that research on this movie that you hate, apparently. <laughs> Appreciate you going the extra mile and doing your research. That Pierce yeah. Brosnan stuff was, was great. Oh, man. Yeah. I think we should sign off this whole episode with a little Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> Oh yeah, we got a plug. Uh, we should plug that we are on Instagram now. We got Film with Family on Instagram and oh. Twitter, so give that a follow. You got to have the theme behind that pumping this up. That'll make it so epic. <laughs> All right, now go. Subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts, and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Our handle is at Film with Family. I still can't believe we got that handle for both Twitter and Instagram. Nobody thought to to film with family but we did yeah and that's where we're at it's a great idea i love my family and i love the movies also you can follow me and austin on letterbox as well if you want to see what movies we're watching in real time yeah i love you guys thanks for talking about robin hood and caleb thanks for joining us on film with family we'll see you next week bye <laughs> good evening I'm Pierce Brosnan. He is a legend that goes by many names. The Earl of Huntington, Robin of Loxley, Robert Fitzsooth, and Robert Hood. But to centuries of storytellers, he is simply Robin Hood. <laughs>